Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. That's the Johnny McKegg band. This is the Piffles podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Alex. I'm Steve. And I am happy I can move my mouth. That's not a shot at anybody this time. Our listeners are not. Uh, I waking up this morning and my entire face being fat as anything in the world, being the basically the human version of the movie hitch uh that was weird and i'm glad i can actually talk now still sort of though again our listeners are probably not (laughs) when you don't know you're allergic to something it sucks because i have no idea what caused that 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 was scary this morning showed us a picture and uh your lip kind of looked like i wanted to make a kardashian joke oh all 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 the collagen all the collagen was in there (laughs) And the worst part is, I sent it before. It actually spread to my upper lip. It got worse, and it took about uh, four Benadryl tablets before it started stop stop going. But it looks good now, so that's uh, that's good. You're looking better. So better than good. It was. You can give us a follow on Twitter at PifflesPod. You can give me a follow at RealAlexD. Uh, you can find me at Safamod. And as always, I do not need nor want your pity follows at Dragon Sports. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Make sure you check them out while you're here next week for Grey Cup. It's right next door to the stadium, so make sure you're hitting up Dairy Queen on Elphinstone and Sass Drive. Let's get to the opening kickoff. Uh, so we'll talk our riders here. Okay, we're done. Um, nothing going on with the riders this week as uh, we're really just we were talking before the show about who's the Riders' offensive coordinator going to be. I honestly have no clue what they're going to do there. It's, and I said to you guys, I don't know if I'd want to take it with so much uncertainty. You don't even know who your quarterback's going to be next year. You don't know who the head coach is going to be the year after. I know coordinators are typically on a one-year contract, but there's so much uncertainty on the offensive side of the ball for this Riders' team. I know you take a take an opportunity when it's there if you're looking for you know a promotion in the ranks, but oof, I don't know what if I would take it if I was somebody. The good news is anyone coming in to be a coordinator has a fresh slate. Like they hired Moss and the coaches underneath them, so they can actually build their own staff. But at the same time, I don't know what they're aiming for. Are you looking for an up and comer like a Mark Mueller? Or are you looking for someone established that if you do have to show Dickie the door, you have a head coach in the waitings like a Kahari Jones? It's really weird. And you actually pointed out a good thing before we recorded that if an OC does come in and does very, very well, well, then Dickie's not getting fired. Like Dickie's not going anywhere. He's probably getting an extension. And then what? So you kind of shoot yourself in the foot that way. It's, it's kind of a tough situation on both sides. The OC is going to sit there going, 
well, do I want to take this job because I don't know who's going to be running the ship in a year's time? And is this the opportunity I want to take? Or on the flip side, like you said, if things go well, there there's no room for promotion anytime soon. O'Day's young. He's not leaving. If Dickinson does well, he's not leaving. So you've got an OC with no upward movement in the organization that they're looking at moving to. I don't know what the right option is, but do they, do you really want to go into 2024 and beyond without some, without a backup plan? Because it was clear through most of this year that Dickinson wasn't it. And if you're going into next year, expecting him to be the guy, you have to have a, a guy in waiting. There's no other way that that works. Well, you go back to Dickinson's hiring. No one thought he was the guy. He was a convenient hire. Like, that's why he, if it wasn't for the coach's cap, they probably would have driven a truckload full of money in front of someone else's door. But they had to hire from within. And Dickinson kind of rode the coattails of Chris Jones's roster that he built and had a great 2019. The team's gotten worse every year since. And I, I just find it funny. Everyone's was like, well, 2019 and 2020 or 2021 didn't happen in a vacuum. No, but the team has gotten progressively worse. I don't know how that's going to change. And when you got Travis Moore in interviews saying he doesn't want to say much, but all he has to say is I did my job. He's obviously pointing at people above his head that weren't doing theirs. And with that comes the, the next question, quarterback, because we know Craig Dickinson is going to be here. We don't know what the coordinator is going to be. What do you go after first? Do you go for whoever your quarterback is going to be, and then you hire your offensive coaching staff and build around the quarterback? Or do you hire that coaching staff and get their input and target a quarterback based on the style of offense that coach wants to run? I think you have to hire the the coaching staff first, especially this offseason when there, there may be some coaching movement the last thing you want to do is be late to the late to that ball game. You need to get your staff in place so that you can prepare for an off season of rebuilding. Basically the day after the great cup, once that moratorium's off, you have to start figuring out what your staff is or you, or you make that move to trade for that quarterback, right? I'd be a bow or VA. And if you think you can sign them to an extensive into a long deal, but it makes more sense to find the coach before you find the quarterback because the coach is going to have his own ideas. The the coach might want VA. The coach might want Bo. You never know. They both have different skill sets. They're both really good, but they both have different skill sets. So, All right. Well, there you brought it up. That's the next question. Who is going to be the starting quarterback for the Riders next year? Is it Levi Mitchell? <laughs> is it Vernon Adams Jr.? Uh, can we just assume that those are the top two targets? And no, Bo Levi Mitchell has not bought a house in Regina. So the uh, are you sure? Um, I I'm very confident on that. But Facebook told me, so it has to be true. Yeah, must be true. Um, I don't know. Some some wannabe cook told me about. Hey, that. He, he's Dave Naylor's best source. He 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 has the DMs to prove it. Apparently, <laughs> he said um, I didn't take cool. shots. I'm doing them now. So are we are we convinced it's going to be one of Bo or Vernon Adams Jr. I think based on the talent available, those are probably your two leading options. 
and two different quarterbacks, like two different style sets, two different um, experience. Obviously, VA is obviously younger. Bo, who knows how much he has left in the tank? It looks like he's got he's got enough there, but he's only a short term measure. You're still gonna have to find the guy behind him uh, to carry this franchise forward. I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked for the uh, Riders to pull what uh, trade for Bo's rights and try to negotiate with them. Same way when they traded Durant to Montreal. Steve, you confused? Yeah, but not not about that at all. This 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 is me multitasking. Um, I I honestly, I mean, I called it back in what year was that when uh, when we got Zach Caleros? I called that Zach Caleros trade. And that is something I'm going to ride until my grave. That and the ties. I, I don't have. What's that? That and the ties. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I get. I get one a year. I'm not sure I'm ready to pull it out of the hat quite yet. But they have to go in with an established quarterback in in 2023. If they go in hoping that Mason Fine and Jake Daligala are your are your next in the pan, and was it? Uh, I can't remember his name. Lewis. Luke. Lewis? Levi Lewis. Yeah. Thank you. I know it wasn't Luke. Levi Lewis. Like if, if you think they're the guys, great. But you need that number one guy in there to make sure you have somebody lined up. I uh, Who it is, I'm not ready to make that declaration quite yet. Even Calgary, though, is talking about they want a veteran backup. They don't want a young guy behind Mare. So, like having experience in this league is valuable. That's why like a guy like uh, Schiltz is, a, is always around and the Euro Connors, they've been in the league long enough that they can be a backup and they're serviceable. Well, that's why a guy okay. like Chase Daniels has made how many millions of dollars down South, despite throwing 30 passes in his career. Like you, you need that guy who's been around the league whether he's your starter, whether he's your backup, you need experience on the roster and you need actual play experience or at least, you know, number one, number two experience. And I, I don't know where it comes from, but, you know, Schiltz wouldn't be a bad option as a backup uh, quarterback. He he comes in and does the job everywhere he goes. He's not a he's not going to light it up, but he's he's a guy that's serviceable if you need to to fall back on it. This generation's Kevin Glenn. Except less talented. Kevin Glenn was a go-to the quarterback. Don't you say anything differently. He should be a Hall of Famer. I'm, tell- I'm saying yep, that right now. 100%. Um, making an interesting point about Matthew Schiltz, but also about the Calgary Stampeders wanting a veteran backup. Maybe Schiltz is the target for the Stamps to be their backup because if Jake Mayer goes down or something happens next year to him, Schiltz doesn't look like a terrible option. He's not the best option, but they're clearly moving on. Um, so that leaves Bo and VA. Honestly, I don't see Bo coming to Saskatchewan. Everyone's convinced he's going to be the starting quarterback of the Riders. I do not see it. I I'd really love it just don't. for the narrative, just for the fun of it. I, I want the chaos, and I'm all for it. Um, and I think that's the move for O'Day and Dickinson to make, just to try and save their own jobs, because you get this – you get a Hall of Fame – quarterback on your roster a two-time champion been to four great cups and a guy who has the greatest winning percentage in history joe montana okay, the maybe, kansas years like maybe he can be the bridge in and, and that's exactly right montana on the on the chiefs 
that's like that's their guy to to get them another contract extension and buys them more time to find the next guy. But I'm not convinced that Bo wants to come here. Would you want to come here with that O line? I sure wouldn't. And Bo's a quick release quarterback. Like that's that's the type of quarterback that he's become over the last few years. And he needs to have either a quick release or needs time. If he doesn't have the time, and you can say that about any quarterback, they're not going to be successful. So unless there's drastic changes to this Riders O-line, I can't see anything changing on that front. So that's why I'm thinking it's likely that Vernon Adams is probably the guy here. I just have that feeling he's going to end up being the guy and Bo goes to Hamilton and something happens with Dane Evans. Maybe that's a trade. Maybe Dane Evans is available for the Riders to take. And that's why I said Dane, I I totally I like Dane Evans. I think he has a lot of talent, but there Hamilton had a perfect mix between him and Mazzoli, where if one guy had the hot hand, the other guy was fine on the bench and vice versa. I could definitely see Hamilton trying to upgrade and then Dane being traded away. And maybe he ends up here. I don't know. But I I think Dane Evans is in play this year as well. Dane Evans comes here and he brings his buddy Simone Lawrence and we have we oh. have the chaos we're looking for in a way that wasn't expected. It'd be both Bo and Simone and then no one's going to know what to do. It's going to be amazing. I said it on Twitter today. I would absolutely love the chaos of of Simone Lawrence and Bo Levi Mitchell in Saskatchewan. If for nothing else, like obviously linebacker was the last spot we need to look at. But if you want chaos... Could you imagine the 180 that people would have to? Because they would. This fan base loves anybody that's wearing green and white. Dwight Anderson was a fan favorite in Saskatchewan. Easy now. I said that once, and I had a bunch of people in my DMs saying they never liked DA before or after he was a rider. And to which I say, garbage. Me, me, I didn't like him. Before, during, after, still don't like Dwight Anderson. But I like him slightly more than Brandon Browner. Brandon Browner was the guy I had the problem with the with the with the stamps in the late 2000s, early 2010s. I hated Brandon Browner. Former former New England Patriot. I'm I'm pretty sure Brandon Browner is is going to have to star in the next longest yard movie. Didn't he end up in in jail for murder? Yeah, when I saw that Brandon Browner going to to jail, I was not surprised. If there was anybody in the CFL that was going to be, I figured it was probably going to be him. Just the way that he went off the Rodgers receivers. I was like, this guy is not suited, but he made a career in the NFL. So good for him for that, I guess. Um, but anyway, Dwight Anderson, still not a fan. Um, chaos. Th- this off season is going to be chaos. It really is. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, then where's Cody going to go? That's, an, that's what I'm curious. What is the market for Cody Fajardo right now? Cody ends up as a backup back in Toronto. Toronto, really? I don't know. Yep. Yep. Bank on it. Crap. There's my there's my one. Did I do it? Did I use it? Must have. That, that that's a really low one to do it for, use it on though. Uh, just do you a guys guess. Think he, do you guys think he would be the uh veteran backup in Calgary? Hey, I photoshopped it, so it's gotta be true. Hey, I can't see them paying the money he's probably gonna want. No one's gonna pay it though. That's the problem. At some point, he's going to have to go, I'm not making starters money, and he's going to have to take a giant pay cut. But Calgary's not exactly known for paying remotely decent money, let alone 
good money. If you're if you're the backup, they're probably looking at a, a relatively cheaper option. They still want a veteran I backup and going from four hundred thousand to a. He's gonna have to take it. No one's gonna no one's gonna pay their backup four hundred thousand. No one's gonna pay it two hundred thousand. He's probably gonna be in the one range, if that. No matter what team he goes to. So unless he is going down to the XFL or the USFL or the UFL or the AAF or whatever other friggin' spring football league they're going to roll out next week, he's he's going to have to take a pay cut. And I like the oh, guy. All that stuff. Oh, yeah. That stuff will all figure itself out after the Grey Cup, of course, when uh, teams will start making trades and releases. And all the and- rumors will be coming out of Grey Cup week. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's going to be so much going on. It's I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully we uh, can bump into one of those conversations at some point during Grey Cup week and uh, find out a little little peek of what's going on behind the scenes. That's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Roy LePage, Regina Realty. Let's jump to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. And they finally announced it, the Grey Cup halftime show, um, a Friday news dump last week. Didn't announce it until just after five o'clock Saskatchewan time. What was it? Five fifteen. Uh, actually, it came, uh, it came out en français at uh, cinq uh, trois. So yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they dro- they dropped it on the French. They dropped it on, R- R- on the RDS uh, Twitter feed before they dropped it on the English one. I'm so glad we can market our podcast as bilingual. Uh, Thanks for that, Greg. <laughs> no so problemo uh... there we're trialing you all uh yeah wow I, so I don't know if it's so inflation it's... or the exchange rate but i'm glad we got half a band yeah half of florida georgia line well, uh the other guys in rehab i get i guess that we're okay with that one <laughs> yeah so tyler hubbard uh josh ross and jordan davis um i did see somebody post that they're uh really excited to see flow or fly which I thought was pretty clever. Yeah. Uh, very underwhelmed by this. Now, we've said before, to me, it, honestly, it, I don't, I mean, I care who it is, but I don't at the same time. I just want the biggest name possible for this to be a successful event for the Great Cup, just in general for the league to, to look good in front of everybody. And this... Why would you announce it on a Friday after five o'clock local? Like that's just ridiculous. That's a news dump. That's that is so a news you don't dump. Have to, so you don't have to answer to that. And I'm surprised nobody's asked about it yet this week. Why did that happen? Like why did that wait so long and whatnot? When you look at it, there's no clear. Like there's no way this was their first choice. There's no way. Can't be. And the problem is you can't go out and and admit that because now one you're calling out whoever may or may not have canceled on you, <clears throat> Sean Mendez. Um, but also, too, you're crapping on these guys. And you don't want to do that. You want to build them up to be this great trio of, of country stars that's going to put on a great halftime show and, and build it and hype it the way that they should. So you can't really go out there and say, well, they're plan B, because that's disrespectful to them. So, but it just goes to show that this whole thing was bungled from the begin, beginning. beginning. And I mean, if that's what happened and, and they had a guest planned and it was, you know, a handshake agreement, signs on the dotted line kind of thing, but then they had to back out for whatever reason. 
I get it. You're kind of left scrambling and you get what you get because now that bands are touring and, and concerts are happening every night again, you can't just pull one out of thin air like you maybe could have last year. Everyone's traveling. So you got to figure something out there and, and this is what they got. You know, I'm starting to soften my my take on the on this list of names. I'm glad at least that they went out and got a, a Canadian to to finish out the trio. Florida Georgia line or half of it was a big name a few years back. Obviously, they haven't done a whole lot and people aren't going to recognize Tyler Hubbard. So you have to try and sell it as, you know, formerly of Florida Georgia line. But he's put out some some music over the last couple of years. It's not hit the charts like Florida Georgia Line has, but it's not bad. But the big name to me here, if you actually look at the names, is Jordan Davis. The guy has three number one hits over the last few years on the U.S. charts in for country specifically. So, I mean, it's not my area. It's not a, a, a you know a concert I would pay money to go see. But in Saskatchewan, concert or country music plays, and they got a name that hits, I guess. You know, again, I don't know him. I don't recognize it. I've heard a couple of his songs since they uh, since they made the announcement, just so I could familiarize myself with his music. It's not bad, but it's still I'm not as angry about it as as I was on Friday afternoon. I might be again come next Sunday when I'm sitting in the stands listening to this trash. But you know, it's it it is what it is. You're. I, I think, and I don't think it was Sean Mendez. There's been rumors, I've seen a couple of times now, where somebody did actually bail out last minute. Because if it was if it was Sean Mendez, that was months ago. You know, they they would have had time to turn it around. But it sounds like there may have been somebody else that that backed out. Um, who I don't know, but it certainly it certainly sounds like it, and that makes this whole situation make a lot more sense. At that point, you are scrambling. And if this is their scramble selection, it's not bad. But at the same time, this is like saying we got half the Beatles and they roll out George and Ringo. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, okay, we got half of Florida Georgia Line. Yeah, Florida Georgia Line was good, but it's still Tyler. I'm assuming we're going to get a ton of Florida Georgia Line songs with the other guys filling in, which is fine. I, I, I'll like it as much as I like it, but the entire thing was bungled like, like f- Friday at five o'clock. Like, yes. Oh, they, they brought in uh, um, e-talk to do it. And then it was good to see bell actually kind of try to cross platform it. But Friday at five, no one cares this late in the season. No one really cares. I actually have an issue with how they rolled it out and brought it on e-talk on CTV, which is another <laughs> bell property but they put it at the exact same time as the Hamilton Toronto QEW series rivalries um 30 minute was a 30 minute doc that yeah. they that they had they were hyping <laughs> that thing up for months and you put it on at the exact same time like there's not one other time that this could have been announced not one single time they could have done it Thursday like something has to give that like that, like you're taking away literally all these eyes that should be focused on your Hamilton Toronto series to 
is that something that we want to build on and do more of in the future? Do you want to see a Riders Bombers one? I do. I would love to see that. But nobody else saw this Hamilton Toronto one, and they were all too busy looking at this announcement and getting mad over it. But also, so to me, it was just the presentation of it. But that that part bothers me. I, I don't care about the name. I really don't. And these guys, I'm sure they'll put on a really good show. It's not my thing, but whatever. Um, but the league just, oh, everything about this just made me so mad. The fact that we waited so long, though, that's the other thing. The fact that it took them so long to announce anything. Like, I don't know how, when these guys were signed, if it was just last week. And if that's the case, holy crap. But the fact that it took this long to get a name out there, when you're two weeks away from the Grey Cup, that was the story. That literally was driving social media engagement was, why haven't they announced anybody? Why haven't they announced anybody? Why haven't they announced anybody? And then you dump it on a Friday afternoon late, and everyone was just ready to hate it. And everyone also knew what it was. We like the amount of DMs going around the CFL family, everyone knew the announcement before it was happening. And everyone's like, well, maybe, yeah, no, maybe people are trying to pull a fast one on us. And that no one went with it until it came live. And then all the jokes came out. The fact that the they, fact that nobody said anything was, is how you could tell that it was unbelievable. Cause no one believed because it. Cause that's the kind of thing that everybody would share if they knew that information, but nobody thought it was legitimate. Like there's no way that was the that was the choice at the time. You could, that couldn't be the real three names. And then five o'clock hit. All right. Yeah. Well, sticking with the sticking with the Grey Cup theme, this is actually a question that uh, Travis of the Two and Out um, podcast threw out, and I thought it was a really good one. He said in 1995 the Riders sucked, mm-hmm. um, but there was still a big buzz around Saskatchewan for the Grey Cup. It was the first time that they had it. So it had the novelty factor of that there. It also had the Stallions versus the Stamps. No, or the Lions. Who was it that year? Stamps. Stamps was it. It was the Lions in 94. Right. Um, And then 2003, the Riders were a good team. They were 11 and 7, got to the West Final. Um, Kevin Glenn was brought back. Yep. So, I mean, there there was excitement around that. 2013, obviously, Durant and, and... having the Grey Cup at home with a legitimate Grey Cup team. And sure enough, they went and won it. Is there a lack of excitement overall for the Grey Cup in Saskatchewan this year? Because the Riders had such a bad year. And honestly, I think a lot of fans, a lot of Rider fans, were waiting for the season to end so that they didn't have to pay any attention to the CFL anymore. Because there's normally lots of people out there with, like on game days, even road games with their green on throughout the day, on a Saturday, and there was almost none of that the last month of this CFL season. The fans tuned out. So is there a lack of excitement for the Grey Cup in Saskatchewan with the Riders not even being remotely close to being in it? Yes. I don't even think it's the Riders not being in it. There just doesn't feel like a buzz in the city at all. It's been all season. Like, I'm I'm so familiar with walking down Scar Street the week of game day and it's just rider jerseys everywhere. It hasn't been that way since week one. And it, and it got progressively worse as the team continued to falter, but it, it just doesn't feel like the league is marketing the gray cup this year, either in the, like in the city or elsewhere. It just feels like an afterthought. 
they, they put they put the giant decals on Hill Tower and then kind of walked away in the last couple of weeks. It, and that's not even the CFL. That's that's the that's the Hill companies doing that. It just seems really. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's no push, no buzz, no excitement. And I don't know if that's because the team was bad this year or. It just seems like this, this entire Grey Cup has just been. And I know a lot of people put a lot of work into it, so I, I don't want to insult them, but it just feels half-assed this year. Uh, it just doesn't feel like the spectacle it was in 2013 or even before that. I, it just doesn't feel the same. I wonder if they've priced themselves out because I noticed that they actually dropped the ticket prices for the CFL Awards Gala at the Connexus Art Center. Um they dropped it down to there. Now there's an $85 option, and that was a lot higher even just last week. Um, I think they found that the pay events for me, I'm not going to any of those. The what was the the cabaret with the Roadhammers? The Roadhammers are a great party band, and I'm sure that Gala Nights put on be a good great. show. They put on a good 200 show. bucks. Yeah, you kidding me? 200 bucks for the Roadhammers? Get lost. The party I, I saw the Roadhammers once in Moose Jaw for free, and they were giving out free hot dogs. So, I mean, I ain't paying $200 if I can get free hot dogs. No, and I like the Roadhammers. But, like, there's that event, and there's other ones. The the tailgate kickoff thing uh, before is 100 bucks. Like, this, this feels like it's a real... And this I, I mean, like this great cup is expensive. Art, everything costs yeah. money. And the party passes, you look at, I know I'm con- going to compare it to 2013, but it was significantly cheaper in 2013, whereas now it's 55 bucks a day to get into the party rooms. And to me, to for the privilege to pay $10 a drink and mingle with people and say, huh, what? All night while you're trying to talk to people because the music's so damn loud. Like it's a good time. There's nothing wrong with the party rooms and I enjoy them, but I'm not going to pay 55 bucks to go in and then $10 a drink. I'd rather go to a bar and pay slightly less for a drink, but at least I can hear the person next to me. And say, say what you want about the spirit of Edmonton, even though they're offsite from the other ones, their covers like 10 bucks, which is no different than going into a bar these days with a cover charge. And spirit of Edmonton on Thursday night is the best night of a great cup week every week or every year. It's an absolute blast. Drinks are cheaper. Cover is cheaper. The spirit of Edmonton understands Grey Cup better than Believe. the Grey Cup planning festival in any city. But the the problem with, with Regina is they try to market it all as one big event, whereas other cities you have the option to pay 20 bucks to go into a room. Most people don't go from room to room. If, if you've ever been to Grey Cup, for the majority of people, there's a very set schedule. You go to Spirit of Edmonton on Thursday. You go to Ryderville on Friday. You go to, you know, there's, there's, you go to one room and that's what you want. So that's why the the other cities work where you pay 20 bucks to get into your one room. That's reasonable. 20 bucks to get into a party at a major event, reasonable. But paying sixty bucks for the for the benefit of being able to travel from room to room when you have no intention of doing so is just it's too much, and it just feels like yet another step along these of this 
overcharging in in Ryderville. Like that seems to be the the way it goes. Everything is too much money, but 200 bucks for the awards and 100 bucks for Roadham. It's it's all adding up. And then add in you got to pay $90 to volunteer. Like it just you're right. They've absolutely priced people out to the point that there there are people who just won't go. And that's not what you want at your marquee event. You want you want the entire city buzzing. And if Regina isn't buzzing, the CFL has a problem. Yeah, the events themselves, they'll be good, like they always are for Grey Cup. Just matter of how many you'll actually be able to get out to and, and what you can afford. So we'll see what happens. That'll be next week. Um, before we get to our uh, quick little preview of the final division games this weekend, Greg, I know you're excited. I'm excited about this too. The Canadian Bowl this upcoming Saturday. Regina Thunder knocking off the Hilltops last week to win the uh, the PFC, or sorry, two weeks ago Thanks to get the PFC um, championship. Going up against the Okanagan Sun, who I know the Okanagan Sun always seem to be in the Canadian Bowl. They always have a good program out there. Also undefeated. Um, and that's going to be, I mean, it's going to be cold. Uh, Which is good for the Thunder. <laughs> Yeah, bad for uh, Okanagan. They can, they can, they can run the rock. Uh, that should be a, a pretty good game. It's, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a tight game. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. Sounds like uh, we've already sold over two thousand tickets, um, which is awesome. Ton of local sponsorship. Maybe it's a good thing the riders are out because there's a ton of local sponsor sponsors for this game. Uh, it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, the awards nights is uh, Friday. A little more coming a go type thing, not big as the CFL awards, obviously. Uh, I think the Thunder are going to get at least one major award out of that one. They've already won the Community Service Award, um, which was new this year for their all their work they do in the community, which is awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a fun time, like, uh, and it's reasonable. Uh, kids under the age of twelve, if they wear their football jersey, be it flag or minor football, they get it for free. So. Um, we're trying to do everything we can to pack that stadium. It's going to be awesome. And tickets are like 20 bucks, aren't they? 20 bucks. Adults. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a great price. Like that, that'll get me into a stadium to go. And yeah. And up. kids between 12 and 18 get in half price. They wear, wear their jerseys. So, and oh, all, all the, all the amenities are going to be open at the at mosaic too. So the, uh, Harvard lounge and all foods, all the food stuff is going to be open. It's going to be great. Excellent. So if you're in Regina for, uh, this upcoming Saturday, that, uh, Make sure you head out to that because that should be good and and, and to a championship. I yeah, it's just got uh, Regina's got a good chance of winning a championship, and it's uh, going to be on Access Seven, and it's on the CGFL TV um, app, and Harvard Broadcasting is actually going to broadcast it with Michael Ball and Pete Pasco. So you definitely want to be in the stadium so you don't have to listen to it. <laughs> um, but anyway, make sure you pay attention to that because that's going to be something and and i mean canadian championships just don't happen all the time here in saskatchewan so and last uh, time we hosted we won it yeah so looking forward to that um this upcoming saturday and then on sunday of course is the cfl division finals Owls and the argos and the lions and the bombers let's take a look really quick at these ones guys before we make our picks alouettes at argos is there too much rest for the argos after uh uh, clinching that first place and getting the bye week because the last week of the season they played these Alouettes, but they didn't play their starters. So 
a guy like MBT hasn't played in three weeks going into this game. Is that too much rest? For... I said last week, whoever wins the East semifinal is going to win the East. And as much as I hate Danny Machocha, I still believe that to be true. I feel like Montreal was peaking at the right time. They're getting guys healthy. The, the team is looking good. Toronto just kind of coasted through the end of the season. It felt like I I would, if I had to put my house down on this game, I'm with Greg. I, I can't see anything other than a full packed house. If If Toronto can pack that building, and it sounds like they're doing a decent job of it. Looks they opened, like there was, they, opened, uh, they opened a bunch of sections up, yeah. Yeah, they, I believe I heard last there was 19,000 people. And I will say this, Toronto, when they get when they get going, that stadium could be one of the loudest stadiums in the CFL. You got those metal benches and they beat the ever-loving hell out of them. It rings through that entire building. Like I went to a game there, it was Toronto versus Edmonton. And if there was 10,000 people, I'd be surprised. And it was still loud as hell. So if they can get 19,000 to 20, 22,000, however many it holds, all making noise, that's the one thing that could that could change things for in Toronto's favor. But all things even, I, I feel like Montreal is the better team right now. I always like teams coming in with the semifinal to beat the teams in the in the conference final, uh, just for that momentum thing and the rest thing. Like to me, it just you want to keep going and keep going and, and having the rest off is great. Um with the Lions and the Bombers, uh, the Bombers being able to get, you know, guys healthy and whatnot, but not playing in three weeks and not having the, um, just, just not having any meaningful game in almost two months for, for the Bombers. I mean, maybe they're the outlier because they're two-time defending Grey Cup champions and they're clearly the best team in the CFL. But at some point, that's kind of got to catch up to you, you'd think. Um, and the Lions, a dome team going into cold Winnipeg, uh, it doesn't really suit Nathan Rourke uh, and what they do on offense for the Lions. And the Bombers have the better run game. Usually these games come to the to the running game. But then we've seen ha- that happen so many times where that goes against the, the favorite team and the, the other team comes in there and... and plays really well and just steals a game. So I'm actually kind of expecting that with the Lions and the Bombers. I like the Lions this game. Like, you look at last year's West Final, the Riders had their shot. Bombers are not perfect. They're not indefensible. Like, the Lions got the shot, and the Lions do have a decent running back in James Butler. Like, So I think the Lions got a shot. It's going to be uphill swimming, but I like their chances. This is another situation where I I think the home field advantage can can play a big factor, not just with the crowd noise, but you got BC in their in their warm stadium coming into Cal or into Winnipeg where it's supposed to be below zero. That that matters, you know. BC's sitting there practicing in a dome while preparing for a game that's going to be played out in the cold. I don't, I don't know how this one goes. The The weapons that BC has put together because they're paying their starting quarterback $85,000 is, is legit. They've got a quality offense, great O-line, which who thought we would have said that a year ago. 
but solid O-line, great weapons. The The question becomes, is Lucky Whitehead healthy? Does he come back and play this week? You know, there, there, there are a few question marks when you look at the BC Lions organization and where they, where they stand right now. But again, I don't think that Winnipeg is as good of a team as they've been the last couple of years. And realistically, we should have beat them last year. And if you BC think about is a better team than I think we were in 2022 or 2021, sorry. And if you think about it, in 2019, no one saw no one saw the Bombers as this undefeatable juggernaut. They came in third, they beat Calgary, and they came here, and if it wasn't for a goalpost, they beat us. Like, all it takes is for one team to be in third place to have catch lightning in the bottle one game, and they win the Great Cup, and who knows what happens after that. Like, BC could be that team. And if you look at it, BC has the team to be that team. They've got good pieces on ev- on both sides of the ball and have been shown, like they, they've shown that they could put up points with anybody. So it's it, if they pulled this out, it would not be a big surprise. Just, just given how Winnipeg has played this year, how many close games they've played, they haven't been that unbeatable force that we expect. With a what is it, fifteen and three? No, fourteen and were they fifteen and three? No, fifteen and three. Right? Like they're they might be the worst fifteen and three team I've ever seen. Yeah, bounce here and there. They're still they, the top they team. They could have lost a few of those games. Definitely. But they're still they absolutely should have. Right? Like, but that's on the flip side, that works in their favor. They're winning all these games that they maybe shouldn't have won. So they've got that that drive to to win those games that it if the if it's tight coming down to the wire, you can't bet against a Mike O'Shea coached bombers team. You just can't. All right. So there's the final question for you this week. Guys, who's playing in the Grey Cup? We got Montreal and Toronto and BC and Winnipeg. I know I just said Alouettes and Owls, but I just I wanted to be our sorry, Alouettes and Owls. I said I uh, Alouettes and BC Lions. I want it to be Argos and Lions, but for several different reasons. But it's going to be Alouettes and Lions. I just don't want to put up with an entire week of, of Winnipeg fans talking about winning the Grey Cup in our in our locker room. Like, I, I, I love the fans of theirs that we're, we're good friends with. You know, you, you got the Section 141 crew. Great people but I hate the rest of them. They're just insufferable right now. And I need them to lose. <laughs> I described so I'm going to do. So I'm going to do all of Rider nation a favor, and I'm going to pick Winnipeg to win this week. So it's going to be Winnipeg and Montreal. I can't remember who I was talking to last week, but I was, I mentioned we were talking about bomber fans. I'm like, I like Bomber fans better when they were the lovable losers. Like back when like the, the the Red Sox, when the Red Sox were constantly losing and everyone like the Red Sox fans were great fans or lovable, whatever. And then they started winning and then they just became the biggest jerkwads on the planet. That's what Bomber fans are right now. Wow. That's and it's funny because they would have said the exact same thing about Ryder Nation after 07. Yep. 100%. One Because we cup. were that lovable loser and we win one cup and suddenly we're giant dicks. And we were and we still are. Because a lot of people that weren't Ryder fans before 07 suddenly jumped on the bandwagon going, and became dicks. So, I mean, I, I get it. We're not immune to that. 
but I feel like Winnipeg just took it to a new level and they will be impossible if they win a great cup in our stadium. Like I will not go to Banjo Bowl for a decade if they win this great cup because That's they will never let us live it That's down. A That's a lie. You know it. It is because I love Banjo Bowl. And, and you're organizing the bus next year. So you, you cannot go. Organize the bus and stay home. Oh, good. So you can uh, do all the work and me and Alex can enjoy it. I like that idea too. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, I'm taking Toronto. Uh, I don't don't really know why. Don't really care in the East, to be completely honest. All I know is that I'm cheering for the East to win uh, in the Grey Cup. Anyone but Winnipeg. Riders. And um, I, I, I'm torn on the BC-Winnipeg game because I like the stories either way. I like if BC wins and it's Nathan Rourke and it's the whole – you know, Canadian quarterback thing. I'm not calling him that stupid nickname that Suter gave him. I'm, I, I refuse to do that because that makes me absolutely bananas. Um, but how cool would it be to see a Canadian quarterback in his first year as a starter win the Grey Cup? That story is incredible. And you look at some of the guys on their team, a lot of really good players that I'd like to see win a cup. So I'd like to see that. But I also love chaos. And I'd love to see the Bombers win at Mosaic Stadium, trash that locker room, just for the reactions of everybody and a three-peat is it's not something you see all the time right so I mean I kind of take myself back as a fan and be like wow that's really impressive that's cool to see like that last time we saw that was when Edmonton won five straight in the 70s and 80s like it's taken up 40 years for that kind of continued success to happen in the CFL in a league with only nine teams so I kind of want to see that as well. So I don't really care who wins um, as long as it's the East in the, in the ultimate final game, but I'm going to pick Winnipeg in this one. I just think they're just battle tested and they'll, I mean, they're starting quarterbacks healthy. You can't say the same thing about BC's starting quarterback right now. So I'm going to go with the bombers. We're all on different. We're all on different uh, options. We're all, we're, we're completely covered. Yeah. <laughs> No, we're not, because it's going good. One hundred percent, it's going to be uh, BC versus Toronto. That's the one that the three of us didn't pick. So no, no. I, I read it was that. I would be okay with that. You know what? I'm I'm one hundred percent on board the BC Lions train. I I love the story there, and I think that would just be fun for the CFL. That'd be one of those stories that they could they could show all off season and boast about the league. The Canadian kid wins the Super Bowl or with Super Bowl wins the Grey Cup. You know damn well that that is a story that they should market and won't. And like I said, like and actually, like I did that Twitter thread when I said no bombers every second uh, choice. Having the Argos in the Grey Cup means you've got pinball front and center, and he is your best cheerleader for this league. And although it means no cool Danny Machocha. Although it'd be cool to see, uh, you know, the the Owls with their new ownership i know gary stern's kind of taking a step back there but um and amar doman in bc like it'd be kind of cool to see the new owners face each other in their first years as as owning cfl teams so that that shows promise for you know future growth in this league and they'll want to stick around because hey i got to the great cup and won in the first year like that's that's good all of a sudden hey maybe i can do that too and you find new owners for the Calgary Stampeders or the Toronto Argonauts or whatever, probably not going to happen, but there's that, there's that thought, right? So that'd be kind of and a cool storyline as well. 
given what the the owners in BC have done or has done this or this whole season, could you imagine what he could do in that market with a Great Cup champion? Like the the growth that they could put forward in the league's second biggest market would be immeasurable to me. Just even the turnaround this year without it, like it, BC exactly. actually impressed me this year on how they did, both on you know, and off the field. You know what the Lions really need is they need Geno Smith to start sucking and the Seahawks to start losing some games. That's what the Lions need. I right got, now. I got in fantasy. We 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 can wait a year. Like that's <laughs> Geno didn't write back. Let's uh, let's leave it that way. There we go. All right. Well, we'll see what happens in the finals this week, and we're talking Grey Cup next week. Uh, Maybe we'll do a show. I'm not sure if we will or not. We're all going to be out gallivanting around Grey Cup or in Esteban. Greg's, Greg's case, maybe, not. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but we'll do that next week. We'll, we'll do a, a post Canadian Bowl celebration for when Okanagan wins the, the Canadian Bowl. I will come stab you. I think that's a good place to leave it. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Terry Quinn on Elphinstone Street in Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty, Churchill Brewing Company, and Kurt Angle for making this show possible. Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network. This is Tyler Gilbert, Ghost Behind Your Mind. The Ghost